Hello, Internet. You're listening to Genius Cast with Scott and Mike. I'm Scott. He's Mike. Mike, how you doing? Good, good. Glad we're continuing our streak of doing the podcast every week, week in, week out, no matter what. <laughs> That's uh, 24-7. Uh, that is 24 hours a month, uh, seven weeks out of the year. <laughs> That's right. That's well, right. We're, we're back. We're back. It's been, a, it's been quite a hiatus. We are back today to talk about episode five of Australian Survivor, the big twist. That's right. I've been working on my accents. Yeah, we probably. I can't help but watch it. it and at the top of this, since people haven't seen that yet. Nah, we'll we'll get to that later. We could add that to the list of things. Yeah. Overrated. <laughs> I've yeah. We'll, we'll, let's talk about it. But I yeah. I largely agree with you so far. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's talk about. Uh, well, first let's talk about how to find us, and then we'll talk about why we've been gone. And I don't think there's a good reason, but there's got to be a reason, right? Uh, we, uh, I'm on Twitter, the Twitter, as the kids say. Uh, no, I think the kids call Twitter Instagram now. Is that right? They call it Snapchat. Is that what the kids call Snap, Twitter? Snapchats. They call, Snapchats. They call it the Snapchat. I'm on Twitter mm-hmm. at Scott Does Magic. That might be different than the last username I had on Twitter, but I've settled on one for the long haul. Uh, all my social media accounts are now at Scott Does Magic, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and ScottDoesMagic.com because you know why? Because it's an accurate description of who you are and what you do. Scott does magic. That's right. Uh, I'm at Michael Botta, at Michael Botta. I always think I'm at Mike Botta, but I'm not. It's Michael no. Botta. No, if you go to at Mike Botta, I think uh, the guy who's at Mike Botta is a friend with at Dom Harvey. I think they're both like hanging out in Australia together. <laughs> I thought it was a guy from Queens. That guy, good, good for him. I hope he's got a lot of good stuff going on, but he's... Stealing my name, so yeah. it's tough. This podcast will be evidence in the in the murder trial. All right, yep. Um, great. So yeah, we've just been uh, we've been too busy for you, listeners. Sorry, that's it, right? That's what we've been doing. <laughs> that, I, that's pretty much true. I mean, I know that's true for you. It's true for me. I it's been months that we did this. So busy times. Not only are we right. both busy, but we have to be free at the same time to do an episode. And we've had- which is typically like, yeah, it typically is like midnight Eastern that we actually do these, which I imagine is pretty similar to how other podcasts work but but we've also out. been held up a couple times by uh, guests that we were expecting who um have had some schedule hiccups uh if you're following us on twitter you probably know about some of that you don't know about all of it but we will uh i think eventually the payoff will be worth it and uh so plus is a free podcast so how much are you going to complain about our schedule we don't even have ads that's right we're not even wasting your time with pre-reads for stamps.com or anything like that so i mean i i just advertise my business so that's pretty cool that's <laughs> fine i just advertise my twitter account which is a private twitter account and i have to accept you as a friend <laughs> yeah I, I, it's private now um that's right this podcast the only public place where you can interact with me on the internet this right here um, All right, great. That's well, right. We, sound, we sound appropriately we, subdued right now. I feel like I sound very tired. That's right. We're going uh, to wake it up. We'll wake yeah. it up. I, I think in the interim, since, since the last time we did Genius Cast, we've both both been on other podcasts. We've done that. Um, you can hear Scott talk about his cool experience on The Price is Right on our app. Uh, I talked about negotiation and Survivor back there, which you can check that out. That was fun. But we're back to our own mothership to talk about our favorite TV show. And we talk about it roughly as often as they make new episodes, which is. Never. <laughs> well, now that we're back, uh, back in the saddle, I feel like uh, we'll have episode six out uh, by the end of the year. So I'm feeling good about that. All right, great. So uh, episode five of Le Genius, uh, the, the, uh, let's see. here's my notes. I took notes. Did you take notes? 
I did. I did. It's been I have a long no time since I've seen this episode. Who who are these people again? <laughs> well, you remember Sangman. All right. All right. All right. All right. Calm down. All right. Episode five. Um, right. Everyone uh, shows up. They all have their little tagline. I want to win. I'm here to make deals. I'll win hearts and minds. And then Sung Yu, Kumran is really scary. <laughs> I, I'm glad that evolved over time on the show. <laughs> which is what they're going to do for people's intros as they come on in. Yeah. So uh, we have a summary of what happened last time. And for the first time in my history of watching this show, I needed to see that to remind me. <laughs> I feel like Leonard Shelby right now. I had to remember what episode it was. As it was happening, I was like, is that right? Oh, boy. Look at that. Look at those sweaters on Gura. Boy, oh, boy. Good times. Yeah, I saw the table for Scamming Horses. I was like, oh, yeah. This is, yeah, this one. Great. So, all right. Um. Okay, so there they are. The tables there. There are not enough uh, lanes for all the players, which it turns out because they don't understand what the game is yet. You don't need it. Um, how do you like the way that they came in? They all seem to have uh, good posture. Great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's that uh, theme song that I've missed so much over the last uh, months and years since our last podcast. And uh, we have our update on the Garnet counts. Uh, Sangman and Poom tied with seven. Sungyu, Jungmoon, Jinho, six apiece. Yuram and Kyungran, four apiece. Gura, three. Yunji, two. Okay. Good. That's uh, right. We're getting the important facts out there. We are ready. <laughs> well, it becomes important later. We need to know uh, who's got the most Garnets because that's uh, that's Yuram's uh, decision for the death match, which is... Well, we'll talk about that, but it's smart until you realize that by taking the most Garnets... Now she's going to be the target for someone else with that strategy. So yeah, they hadn't really figured figured that out yet at this point. I think people start the strategy evolves, like what happens with the garnets evolves over time. But you got to think at the early on, at least, if you get the garnets of the person who loses, you don't want to have that many garnets, or else you're going to be a target. Well, you might have a chance to spend them soon and gain advantage in a game, and then not have too many. So that's good. Yeah, it's like getting the idol. Just figure, burn it as soon as you can. So That's we're going to be playing Scamming Horse Race, which is actually one of my favorite games. It's not a great genius game, but it's just like, it's you get the right information and it's like super easy. I mean, were you, the first time you watched this episode, were you figuring out along with everyone else, like who the winner had to be? Yeah, I also, I, I love this one. It's one of my favorite genius games, period. I like the ones that are information battles where you just actually have to be social and convince people to give you information that... Uh, realistically, they should not be giving to everybody. Right. So it's fun to watch who actually pulls that off effectively. Uh, it's also simple. You can actually understand what's happening in this game, and that's a good thing. Often not the case for some of the genius games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wish there was someone to do this where like any combination of four hints or five hints would give you the winner. Uh, I don't know that you can easily do that with uh, the way that the game is arranged, but like it should be such that if you can get like five honest people together, you know, it doesn't matter who drew what clue. Like That's enough to know what it's happened an, it's an automatic win yeah I, I guess they were figuring they gave everybody so many chips you get 20 chips to bet across everything that as long as you got a good number of hints you could sort of narrow down the suspects and as a team maybe figure out where you wanted to play them you can well, also put one person into victory right it's like if you had a team like a group of five and you narrowed it down to four horses are going to win you could split up across those those horses spread your bets out and try to guarantee at least one person to win yeah uh, yeah, something really important though in this game that I think went underreported in the episode that has to do with the rules. So in this game, you get twenty chips that you can play. 
you can only play three chips around. There's 12 rounds, and then once a horse gets into the no bet zone, then no bets on it. Um, so you you do want to wait like through the first three rounds before you place any bets. There's no reason to bet too early if you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you you said, like the ideal way to do it is to get your last bet in as the last top two horse is about to enter the no bet zone. So you don't want to just start like pissing chips away because you have a hunch on like one number or another. Get the information and then start making smart wagers on the horses that you know the possibilities to finish at the top. Yeah, but some people are just degenerate gamblers and can't stop. So like I don't remember who bet round by round. I definitely did not track that, but <laughs> I'm I'm figuring I'm figuring Poon. I'm just assuming that Poon was out there way early, just throwing it down. Which is not a terrible strategy to avoid last place, right? Like if you figure someone's going to be completely off it, then getting at least one chip into each container is a good way to make sure you don't wind up with zero chips. So if you if you believe, and we saw this actually happen, that zero will be the losing score, uh, cover all your bases. That's true. I don't know how you would ever get. Like you would think either. It's the only way you're going to end up with zero is if you just complete are completely convinced of something that turns out to be wrong, which I'm surprised anybody was and we can talk about how we get there it just seems like such a bad idea to not at least spread it out a little bit if you're really not certain right cover your cover your bases well it's i mean it depends also on like what information you're getting and, and how much you trust people because what we saw happening was sung you had bad information but he the source was impossible to trace so it was just sort of trusted um so you do kind of have to you know, at some point you have to like trust your information and go with it. Um, if you want to win, if you want to be the winner of the challenge, you have to, uh, you have to put your money where your mouth is. Otherwise, you know, you're going to wind up in the middle anyway, and you don't need a real aggressive strategy to figure out which horse is the winner. Right. Yep. I, that makes sense to me. Fair enough. The, the betting, I didn't really think too much about the betting strategy as this was going on. I think you're right. It, it made sense to just gather as much information as you could and not bet early if you can avoid it. Um, well, like, think back to the mole, right? Um, in the, so and for, if you haven't seen the mole, if you're not familiar with it, uh, the, the, one of the players on the show was trying to sabotage the group, and the eliminations were based on a quiz of, about the mole. So, uh, of course, who is the mole? Is the mole male or female? Which team in the game was the mole on? Uh, you know, did the mole win more or less than five thousand dollars for the team in such and such game? And so, you know, towards the end of the game, you want to get all the questions right. You want to identify who the mole is and get the questions right. But early on in the game, there's you just want to avoid last place because only the last place person gets eliminated. So you want to spread your answers out to cover each different person, and you're just betting that one of these people who's who's going all in on one player is the mole. Uh, is going to to do worse than you, which is very likely. So uh, it's the same sort of thing here, right? If you're not in a position to try to win this game, just don't lose it. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I think maybe folks just got a little overconfident. So many groups collected so much information that a shocking number of people were convinced they had it narrowed down to, you know, at most four horses that could win. You know, for some people, they were certain they had the top two locked in. So it felt like an easy choice to make. They just turned out to be wrong. It also yeah, still, still high risk. It also did uh, feel like uh, some of the players might have been drunk today. Uh, they just they seemed you know pooing in particular. It just seemed like uh, a little bit like yeah, whatever happens, I don't care. I'll just <laughs> I'll just be an ass. This episode was like our podcast. Like they recorded it at two o'clock in the morning. Everyone's coming in from a long day. Well, Poon was really working on those like mini sandwich rolls on a stick. 
Yeah, more than any other episode. Like, you really saw them eating the skewer food. <laughs> it was all over the place. I was thinking about that, too, as the episode was going on. I was like, wow, that must be good. Whatever it is, like, everyone has been jamming on those skewers. There's just nothing delicious. else you can eat. I mean, we know from talking to a couple of contestants on the show that once you're in there, like, you don't get out, right? You got to go to the bathroom. Should have thought about that earlier. Uh, you're hungry? Eat the skewer food. So. That's right. You know, maybe it's a little bit of like Stockholm syndrome with food. You know, the producers have us captive. Uh, Bandage Man has us captive. We will eat his food, and it is good because they are giving it to us. Yeah, but they're also they're all going out to dinner together as soon as the episode's over. Like, just give it a rest. You're ruining your dinner, guys, with all those, well, those appetizers. It's a long day. We also know that the tape days can be like 10, 12 hours. So, a little yeah. inside baseball there. You know, you're not going to not eat for 10 hours, at least. I mean, anyone who's seen me knows that I'm not going to not eat for 10 hours. That's why I'm not a good candidate for Survivor. Um, or for Yom Kippur, actually. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, don't, I don't handle fasting days very well either, so I hear you there. Um, but they did put down a lot. It was a, it was a heavy-eating episode. I guess that's what happens when you're doing a like, very traditional sort of gambling game. You fall into old habits. Like They could have brought people out with a drink cart, just sort of make a poor mid episode, but for the most yeah, part, it was a juleps. mint juleps today for the horse race. Yep. Exactly. Mint juleps, fancy hats. They could have all worn fancy hats. They were really horse. Uh, I, I, I said on my, on my subtitles, they're reading horse derbs. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I would say other than that, they weren't really dressed for a casino. This episode, this is one of the first ones where, uh, I was really excited about Sangman fashion. He appeared to just be wearing an actual raincoat. Sonny was, was dressed for the palms, so that was good. <laughs> um, Gura had on a sweater that looked like he was in a Mentos commercial and had rolled onto a bench where it was like half colored, one color, half another color, but like in perfect horizontals. Gura looked like uh, the guy in the Mentos commercial who was causing the trouble that required Mentos to resolve it. They, which probably describes him pretty accurately. He does he seem like somebody does. who's out there like as a TV commercial villain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I really just wanted to comment on Sangman's raincoat, which is one of my favorite pieces of clothing anyone has worn on the show so far. He looks completely waterproof the whole time. What's episode. he wearing under there? Don't you know it? Don't. Don't. It's, you know. it's too exciting to find out. <laughs> you, you can see his tattoos, though. He was he was out and about with all those Sangman tattoos. So he I don't charged know one on. garnet for a peak of inside his raincoat. <laughs> That's right. He, he made 15 garnets that day. Cleaned house. All right. Um, so do you want to talk about the clues that we are presented with and, uh, what we need to do with them? Do you want to, uh, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Right. I, can I run through, we talked a little bit about the rules, but I've got them here and I can sort of talk through what we mentioned. All right. Yeah, so go ahead. There are eight different horses, which is fewer horses than number of people in the game, like you mentioned, and 12 rounds. So the board has 20 spaces. Horses can move up to three spaces per round and you can bet on any horse you want at the end of every round. But you only have 20 chips, so you have to choose when you're going to allocate those. Um, the no bet zone is the last three spaces before the finish, so you can only bet on horses before they get to the last three spaces. And if you have bets on the first or the second place horse, you get a payout, depending on the odds for that horse. Um, so this is one of the challenges here. So you get your payouts based on how many bets there are on the horse that lowers the odds. So ideally, you want to be betting on horses that don't have a lot of other bets on them if you know that they're going to win. So you have an incentive to try to throw people off the right track 
so that you're betting on horses that not everybody's betting on. Yeah. Yeah. And then otherwise, um, everyone, as you saw, I got a hint. Uh, you get one garnet for every 10 chips that you had at the end of it, though. So that was sort of the chip to garnet translation once the betting game was over. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I've got the list of hints too. We can read through here. Yeah, I, I wrote that too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This will be fun for all the audio listeners. I'm gonna show you in the video that they can't see. Here's, uh, here's my hint list. Eh? Hey, you wrote them down. I went to the Genius Wiki where they oh. are all posted by somebody else who did more work than I did, mm, but not more work than me. That's right. How do I know that you don't actually run the Genius Wiki? It's entirely well, possible. That'd be pretty cool if, uh, if I could uh, put it in my handwriting and then it goes right up on the site that's right yeah well what if i had deliberately made a couple of errors so that i didn't know if anybody would try to copy my my uh if my you did i would have no idea because i wrote nothing down while watching this <laughs> i was just looking at i was just looking at girl's sweater the entire time it's been like hmm stylish yeah they say if you stare at a sweater long enough you'll you'll find out how you how you're gonna die is that a, a Korean thing like fans? Like how if you have a fan in your house, it'll kill you? That's right. That's right. I, yes, that is a that, that is an actual thing. Yep. Fan thing. Yeah. <laughs> you should Google it if you don't know what we're talking about. If you're still listening to this podcast, you don't know what we're talking about. Fan death. Check it out. It's great. Yeah. yeah. All right. Air conditioning is okay, though, which is cool with me. So. Uh, all right. So so I'll do my list because I did more work in putting it together. So okay. Do you have the the owner names along with those? Because I can. Yes. Call. Okay. All right. Go for it. Take it away. All right. Qumran has that first and second place have higher numbers than third place, which means right away don't put any money on number one, which people did for quite a long time. Dumb. Uh, Gura horse five cannot beat horse three. It's true. Uh, Sangman has the numbers of the three top three horses uh, summed equals 12, which we find out means there are only six different combinations of horses that can finish uh, in the top three. Um, you know, in different orders, of course, but six different combinations of those horses. Uh, Poong has that the horse in first place in the after the ninth round is going to win. Jinho has that six finishes after four. Uh, Uram has that horse number one is in the top three. Sung Yu has horse six is sixth place. Uh, he also purchases horse one is before horse seven. Jung Moon has eight is slower than three. And Yunji has, uh, well, depends on when you ask her. But she actually has four is faster than two is faster than five. But she tells everyone she has three can't be four. So that was not great. Yunji screwing it up. Uh, and then Sung Yu gets the one extra hint midway right. through, which is that horse number six is sixth. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which which of those do you think is the worst one? The worst clue? Yeah. Um, well, so the ones that mentioned four and seven are good because they rule out possibilities of four and seven at the top, which um, tricked a lot of people. I would say maybe Gura has the worst one. Horse five can't beat horse three. Five can't. Yeah, I thought any of the ones that are horse X is worse than Y. Those are like baseline kind of crappy clues. Um, I although Sangman would have said this about literally anything, I thought Sangman had the best clue. I actually genuinely yeah. thought that his was the most helpful, which makes sense. Like if you're Sangman, 
you have a gravitational pull towards awesome information. So, well, it's vice versa. Yeah. Uh, information has a pull towards. Yeah. That's probably right. That's probably right. So he, I thought he had the best one. But truly, I really, I did think that you could have given him any clue. You could have given him a clue that says horse number one is in the game. And he would have been like, guys, 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 come on over this way. I've got the key to everything. Talk to my oh. raincoat. We'll figure it out. Uncle Sangman's got you covered. That's right. Uh, so right. you, as, as somebody who is a lawyer and did plenty of logic puzzles in your day, um, what did what did you think of this one? Were you jotting pretty, things down, drawing boxes as you're getting the hints, trying to sort it yeah. all out? I mean, it's it's pretty simple when you have the clues in front of you. But even without it, I mean, every time that Bandage Man would come on and say something, it'd be like, right, I have that in my notes already. Got it. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's straightforward, but like the point isn't that this should be a tricky puzzle because it shouldn't be. The point is that you should have to get information that you can trust in order to solve the puzzle, which it turns out you couldn't trust all of it. That's right. Much like the LSAT, it's all about talking to the other people in your row while you're taking the test. Can I take a quick LSAT story? Just yeah. Quick detour here. So the LSAT is a test that you take to get into law school. It, uh, it's a, a score from like 120 to 180, I think. Uh, where nobody scores a 180, like 170, I think, is like the 98th percentile. So most people are right in the middle. So uh, it's a really brutal test, and the idea is to like separate out the people at the very top. And in practicing it, I've done pretty well. Uh, there's like you know a bunch of different sections, like any standardized test. And my fastest time on one of the logic sections, uh, that was like a 25-minute section, let's say. My fastest time on it was like 21 minutes, which is still really good because a lot of people can't finish these sections. But I'm actually taking the test, and I have to pee, like, really, really badly. Like, like, ooh, this is not good. So the only way to do it is to, like, finish a section early. And so this section, that it was, like, a 25-minute section, and, and uh, I only had uh, done it with, like, four minutes to spare, which would not have been enough time. Uh, I got it done in, like, like, 14 or 15 minutes and was able to go to the bathroom. And uh, it worked out, though. I still had a very good score on the LSAT. So it's my sense story. I had to pee and uh, it, it put me at risk of a bad score. But then yeah, I, it, jeopard, I it jeopardized your entire future. And now that you're a long-standing corporate lawyer, thank God it worked out that way. I could have really... retaken the test. Most people just retake it if they don't do that great. But I, I got a, a 173. So um, for someone who took a pee break, I think that's probably probably a good score. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. I took the LSAT in college as well. What just for get? the hell of it. Do you, do you really want to know? Oh, no. It's better than me, isn't it? I got a 178. We both did you really? Well. I did, yeah. Did you have um, to pee? I don't remember. I don't remember. I do remember that the night that I took the LSAT is probably I, I, the most overserved I have ever been. I, was, I blame the bartenders. I was overserved. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I'm reading online right now. I'm checking real quick. They say that a 173 with a urine break is actually more impressive. <laughs> You know what's great about that is that you actually did open up a new browser window. I can see the reflection on your face. Oh, yeah. So oh, I'm yeah. assuming you are Googling something. No, I'm right looking at the percentile. I want to see just how, <laughs> how good uh, your percentile is. Let's see. Uh, 178. Yeah, 99.9 percentile. You Woo-hoo. probably already knew that. No, I did not know percentile. Yeah. yeah, you actually, oh, please. You actually used it. So you got your money's worth. I did not. No, I didn't. I'm not a lawyer. Time. You are a lawyer. You just don't lawyer on a day-to-day basis. I let my bar membership lapse. I'm not a lawyer anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, uh, I decided never, uh, that I never wanted to be a lawyer once uh, the magic was going well. And so I said goodbye to the law. I just got my annual letter from the Bar Association saying, like, you know, you got to give us a lot of money if you want to practice law again. 
and I threw it away again. So that's my annual. Do, do you have to you have to pay every year to stay a member of the bar in good standing? Is that what you it do? Means? And you have to do continuing legal education, which is uh, like I could pay the money, but I'm not interested in those boring BS classes. That uh, it's, it, it's awful. It's like eh. if I ever really need to be a lawyer. I can yeah. make up all the all the continuing legal education classes that I missed and pay all my back fees and whatever penalties. But like if I got offered a law job that I had to take, then the it would make sense to pay the money. So I'm not you know that worried about it. Yeah, I think odds are you're you've got it covered. Odds are you do not need you're not going to urgently need to take a law job anytime soon, which is knock on wood. But I think you're doing way better off than the vast majority of corporate lawyers and once who are still working like, right now. That's annoying. Do you study for it or do you just take it cold? What do you do? Um, you do a bunch of prep? All right. We'll do LSAT talk. Uh, let's see. So I took it the senior year of college. The summer beforehand, I thought that I would actually want to be a lawyer. So I went to like a practice test center and took a practice test. And I did the first practice test. I got a 172 taking it. And they were like, do you want to like just tutor people on the LSAT? I was like, not really. I just want to like... I just wanted to take it and actually be a lawyer. They're like, okay, well, you can take the class if you want. I basically just, I took the I took Kaplan classes after that to try to be really fast and just work mm-hmm. on speed and stuff like that. And then took it once uh, for the actual test. Was really happy with the score and never applied to law school. And was like, I don't think I actually want to be a lawyer. But yeah, I in grad school, I didn't, I didn't do any prep, so now I now I feel a little better. Totally fair. Totally fair. On our both of our first times, I think we got the same score, so we are even. Well, I got a 173, so... Oh, there you go. There you go. Nope, very fair. There you go. Take it away. Um, I'm going to Kristen wig you on one of these things where you're clearly better than me. So, there you go. <laughs> um, I'm glad neither one of us is a practicing lawyer. I think we both made good choices. Yeah, much better to, to be a regular podcaster like this. With uh, That's right. Full-time. Yeah. Week in, week, in, week out, we're here at the microphone. <laughs> hey, with reliability, reliability like this, we would have uh, been big-dollar attorneys, I think. So. That's right. That's right. Actually, in the time we're not podcasting, we could fit in a lawyer's schedule, so that's good. That's right. I, I, yeah, that's right. I don't know that you're actually not a full-time lawyer in the time we're not podcasting. <laughs> this is about the schedule you would expect of us if we were both my, high-powered corporate attorneys. You can see up there over that, that box over there, uh, that's my uh, bar membership and my law degree up on the wall. Um, Michelle fought me like, why do you put that up there? I'm like, because that's the only proof I have that I did this for three years. Like, that's it's it. That's what I got for it. It's three years of your life up on the wall. And as she pointed out that during that three years, like we met. So I got her two out of All right, Fine, 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 that's fine. That's better. I have no signs of the fact that I have a PhD anywhere in my home. It's pronounced uh, FUD. That's right. I have no FUD cell, an original. There, uh, there's zero proof of that here. I gave my diploma to my mom. So she has it at her at her house. Oh, so she so she got a nice job out of it. That's right. That's right. She she got retirement. She, a, she has a PhD. It's great. And and she used it to just live at home, not work. Going great. Good job, mom. Uh, my mom. After I did the so one last aside here because clearly there's a lot of material to mine on this episode of Scamming Horse Race that we each watched. I mean, it's pretty two straightforward. Years ago. Yeah. Uh, um. My. <laughs> Actually, as I said that, I forgot what my story was going to be. Well, good sign. We're good. Good job doing this pod, this podcast at, after midnight for all the listeners out there. Um, yeah. All right. So move, moving on. So eventually, your M figures that UMG lied, and that is correct. She lied. Right? Yes. Lied. She lied. She lied. She lied. What, she what's the up. point of lying like that? Why would you? Why? Why do that? I think it's mostly that UMG is bad at this. 
Right. There's not another mm-hmm. answer, is there? She's like, oh, let's no. see what happens if I lie. I think it was her badness. I, I think maybe she thought that she would just get enough information from everybody else that she could be better off throwing them off the scent, which is, is fair. Like, I understand the rationale to say, okay, if I really think I know the answer, I want to throw a lot of other people off the scent. So She's missing I'm one betting. thing, though. Because remember, you're playing with these same people every week. Yeah. So if you if you screw them over, they're going to come for you. And the one element she's missing to doing that successfully is that she is not saying them. <laughs> That's right. It's the it's the the only ingredient that matters. It's like, what is the game? Can you trust these people? Is your name saying men? There is no step four, and her mistake. So. Yeah, so, I mean, Sungyu is trying some wackiness too. Like, they don't know if they can trust Sungyu throughout most of the episode. He's sort of bouncing around, talking to different people. They're giving him a hard time, but ultimately, he's pretty trustworthy. He, he doesn't seem like he's too. anything off. Yeah, and yeah. he's the one, first one who figured out that uh, something was wrong. Like, this isn't possible because of this, this, and this. So, yeah, he, he's really playing that well. Like, everyone thinks that he has no idea what's going on. He gets his clue, and they're looking at him like he doesn't. He barely knows how to read. We're gonna have to go get his clue and actually check it out. But he he's able to put stuff together in his head pretty quick. It doesn't look like he has a yellow legal pad. He's not doing too many scribbles. Yeah, he's just sort of thinking it through. So good job, good job, Sungyu. All right. So uh, yeah. So Yunji lied. No one, even now, Yunji probably doesn't even know why she did it. And th- that's another part of it is like if you lie like that in this game, they're somewhat forgiving if you can if you have a reason for it. Mm-hmm. I lied, but here's what it was going to get me. Here's what I was doing. Okay, that makes sense. I lied. Why'd you lie? Because uh, I said a different thing that was on my card? I don't know. Yeah, it's like, oh, weren't you guys all lying too? You mean I was the only one? Oh, my mistake. Uh, but I did place bets based on that I trusted what you said. So, like, shouldn't even win. You're going to do it. Win. Exactly. Like, if you want to justify it and be like, haha, I beat y'all. Good job. Like, there will be people later in the genius who do that. I don't know that it necessarily works out for them, but I can get that. If you're going to screw everybody over, you got to at least be successful out of it. Right. Yeah, otherwise you're just like, eh, we'll make good TV for no... I mean, the, the good TV part has to, it has to derive from that you're trying to win. Even if it's a bad attempt to win. Like, this is my, this is my big theory on this. Like, the, you, I want to see on these shows, I want to see people who are trying to win, even if they have a really bad idea of how to do that. I want them to have their idea, and I want them to, to go for it. And this wasn't that. This was, it was just, we'll just do this. No. Yeah, it's like uh, with this season of Big Brother, it's thinking about the speeches. Like, if you're, don't just make a big, uh, aggressive speech for the sake of doing it for good TV. Do it because you think you're actually going to, it's going to help you somehow in the game. So, right. very fair. She did not play this well. I'd say, Yunji, thumbs down. But you still have the best makeup tutorials on all of YouTube. So good job. Yeah, she had. Uh, you see her fingernail? She was holding up her. Excuse me, holding up her card. No, was it painted? Something fancy? Yeah, it was. I think it was like yellow and blue, and there was like a star cut out on one of them or something. She's a pro. Like she's literally like a pro Korean makeup video blogger. So, well done, Yunji. Yeah. Whenever I go in for manicure, the, you want nail polish? No. Make my fingers look nice. People look at my hands a lot. Just make them look nice. That's true. You have like good actual professional reasons to get a manicure. I only do it when I'm uh, when I'm going on TV. I had uh, even for like corporate close up gigs. I probably should do it, but I don't. Um, just for television. Yeah. No, I've got some jagged uh, fingernail, bitten fingernails on here. Nothing impressive. If I was doing close up magic, it's not gonna not gonna be a good job. 
I should do some close-up magic on the podcast for all our listeners here. That's right. We're getting decks of cards out right now, everybody. It's gonna right, here we go. Also, I have no idea how to do magic, so what? focus on me here. Here we go. It's going to be great. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Here we go. You're watching? Yep. All right. Here. See this? No. And where'd it go? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't see it in the first place. Who knew? I didn't do anything. Yeah. Theater of the mind. So that homeless guy said, the one who now does the craft uh, macaroni and cheese commercials. The golden voice guy. Yeah, he's like radio is theater of the mind. That's right. And he said it just like that. Actually, may I may I have a dollar? I. That's right. It's clearly, we're talking. We're talking about all kinds of material on this one today. I wonder yeah. what happened to that guy. Yeah, Hope he's doing okay. Voice homeless guy. Okay. Oh man, that is, I forgot. Yeah, that's a that's a face on that guy. It's me. A lot of years on the mean streets is what I remember. What was his name? It was like Ted. Ted Williams. Yes, Ted. That's right. How could you forget? That's right. Ted Williams. Boston Red Sox, great. Turned homeless man. Turns radio. Turned radio personality. Yeah. All right. So he's back, and then things went bad, and now things are good again. He's doing a radio show on Columbus's The Praise WVKOAM. Oh, called the Golden Voice Show. That's, that's a good name for it. Yeah. That guy has thoughts we want to listen to for some number of hours each day, apparently. It's fine. <laughs> now, I will say I spent a lot of time in Columbus, Ohio, though, for work and listened to a lot of the Steve Harvey show in the mornings, which, no joke, hilarious. It's really good. I mean, you figure he's got to be good in like some format or he wouldn't have all this exposure. <laughs> it's really good. I highly recommend it if you're looking for a morning show. I guess. I mean, he gives uh, dad advice all the time and like relationship advice, and he's on. He's he's had as many wives as Larry King, I think. Is that true? My mom bought once bought like ten copies of his book on relationships and gave them out to family members as Christmas presents. Yeah. She's a big Steve Harvey fan. Oh, here's a search for Steve Harvey. Philippines president against Steve Harvey hosting 2016 Miss Universe pageant. <laughs> There's a good reason for that. That's I think that's fair. Hopefully the Philippines president won't shoot him dead in the streets like he does everyone else in the Philippines. But yeah, Steve Harvey, you're you're done. You're done at hosting the Miss Universe pageant. It was a one and done. Yeah, that's I, whatever. Does, does that affect you in any way? No, me neither. Great. No. I think. I mean, I feel like 2016. We're done with these pageants, right? No one cares anymore. Agreed. Well, I, I assume that Donald, Donald Trump's going to rebuy them and present them on his new TV network starting up in uh, in January. So yeah. it'll be all political news and pageants. <laughs> and if you win the pageant, you get slotted right in as an anchor on his TV station. <laughs> yeah. What was Joe Bluth's thing? Uh, uh, don't go for first place. Second place is always uh, weird. You want the third place. For- I, I thought- that you were going to talk about the name of his development community. I was like, where's he going with this? What word is he about to say right here? A rule for like which beauty pageant contestant you yeah. one should, uh, one should. That's, that's how he, fil- he filters out the teases. Yeah. Right. Doesn't let them in. <laughs> There's a golden voice guy too. Well, yep. not. All right. Is this what we used to do? Is this what the podcast is? Or we just have nothing to say about this episode. I, I think it's a little bit of both. All right. <laughs> All right. We're going to finish talking about this episode. Then we will talk about Big Brother and Australian Survivor briefly because, uh, I mean, if you're still with us at this point, uh, you're not going to turn us off when we get to That's that. That's right. You fell asleep or you just love foreign reality TV shows. I want to say hello to the cat 
that accidentally started the podcast uh, after your owner died. Um, if you can reach the 911, it'd be a good time to do that. That's right. I thought it's, it's the cat that was actually outside of 10 Downing Street post-Brexit vote, which is a reference that I can make that is not at all timely or topical. But oh, yeah, we, happened... we should distinguish ourselves from Dom and Colin by doing Brexit coverage. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We just be, we're a complete we're a complete copy of the Dom and Colin podcast. We're doing three month delayed Brexit coverage. Neither <laughs> one of us is British. Part of the the point of doing this podcast was we were tired of waiting like six days to get their take on the latest Genius episode. It was like, well, we could we could do it in one, and then we'll talk about it. We'll get a podcast out for people who don't want to wait till like the day before the next episode. So timeliness was like our whole hook when we started, and um, do we still have a hook? We do not have a hook. Nope. <laughs> that's right. The only hook is the one that's pulling us off stage. So, Amer- America's 11th best South Korean <laughs> genius podcast right here. Well, we're at least in the top two, I think. I was going to say, so, much like Flight of the Concords, there are parodies of our podcast that are more popular than our podcast right now. <laughs> I'd love to hear a parody of our podcast. That'd be great. <laughs> that's right. All right. So, uh, yeah, so here's what happens. Uh, it's horse is three and eight, and horse number one is in third place. So King Ran is your big winner. Woo! Hey, King Ran. Yep, big bummer for Sangman, who was convinced that he had it right. Turns out he was wrong because he trusted Sung Yu, who trusted Yunji, and can't do that. Yeah, but here's one. He told he gave someone bad advice, but he didn't do it on purpose. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give I'll give him credit. He did not intentionally screw anyone. Well, Andy felt so bad about it that he. Well, we'll get to that, but yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, so Uram is the loser with zero chips. Whoops, and immunity to Sangman, so Uram can't even like try to take him down with her. Not that that would be a smart move when you're playing the winning streak game, which is all about who's better with people, which yeah. is Sangman in every case. But hey, we got Kyungran and Sangman building a friendship. Two of them working together. She gives it's it's a big move. She gives him the token. It's a good sign that Sangman's respected. He was definitely sharing information. It's good for him, even though he totally screwed it up to be immune for the episode. Well done. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, Yuram picks Jungmoon because she's got so many garnets. Did not pick Yunji, who might have been an easier out. I mean, it winds up not mattering for Yuram, I guess, but um, it also might be more beneficial within the group to take out the person who nobody likes at the moment. And you've seen so many of these games are social. So again, like I think that your best bet is to pick the least popular person instead of the person with the most garnets. Yeah, especially, and that ends up being a good decision because we get winning streak game, which really is just a popularity slash bribery contest. Right, and, and when you have the other contestants coming back in, then you know this, you're really tilting things in your arm's favor. Um, which again, we'll get to that as well. But first, we have to talk about uh, Poong <laughs> shamelessly. Uh, negotiating his way into as many garnets as possible. Yeah, as the the guy who loves to talk about negotiation stuff, it just came off as super skeezy. Just like you said, since we're early in the season, you need to work with these people. At least one of them is going to survive this. Uh, it's not a good look. Not a good look to be constantly shaking them down for every last garnet. I'd say pick a number. If you get them, go with that person. Uh, I much preferred the strategy of the people who said, if you give me, you know, whatever it is, one or two garnets, I promise I will lose to you. I'll do the same thing for the other person. That's it. That's a much healthier way to do this and to have everyone not feel like you were a total jerk about it. Right. That's right. So, all right, bad on Poong. But we draw our order, and uh, Poong was first, right? He was in, like, the position to be the least helpful to somebody or the least harmful to one's opponent. So he was really kind of putting himself out there for 
not a lot he could do. Like if you're in the middle, then you can break off a streak at you know five or or six or whatever five I think. Um, so that's a strong position, but first not so strong. Yeah, it's not worth very much. So um, income are four eliminated players. I don't like this. You like this? No, you don't. Good. I don't. <laughs> I I like it later in the series when eliminated people come back, but for this one, it was it was pretty early. I yeah, wasn't I, like eager to see Jimmy Cha. I, I I could do without Jimmy Cha. It was fine. Or Min Su. Yeah. Uh, the like the if you bring back eliminated players, it shouldn't be with the guarantee that they all have an impact on the game. If you're going to bring them back, you know, wait till there's four or five players left in the game and let people like pick a helper from amongst the eliminated players or something like that. But I, I don't like the idea that um, that they have a hand, such a strong hand in determining who gets eliminated at that point because they're not in the game anymore. Yeah, it's a big revenge chance, but this isn't supposed to be, you know, it's not going full survivor here. Like there's not this way for eliminated players other than at the very end of the game to actually do anything. So I, I to be fair, I guess that's what they were going for. They said, you know what? We're not going to let you only decide or play a role at the very end of the game. You'll play a role in the middle of it. Uh, not, I, I agree with you, though. Not a huge fan of it. If they're going to like play a role in the middle, though, they should play a role during the main match where they can affect everybody in some way. Yeah, not just whoever actually was unlucky enough to make it down to the end. Right, because you could be the second most popular person, but if you're up against the first most popular person with you know amongst the eliminated players, then tough luck. I mean, I, I, I'm not a fan. So, uh, yeah. Um, Minsu makes some weird grandstand uh, against uh, Uram, cutting off her streak at nine. And everyone sort of understands that Jung Moon is going to be beat by somebody in the middle of a streak, but nobody knows who it's going to be until Sangman snaps it up. And yeah, so, I thought Min, her thing was was strange. The Mincio thing. Like, I, I didn't even know I what she was going the for. Clue you need. Okay. So why don't yeah. you just tell me what you're going to do? Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you want to go see? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. Reference. No, no. So, you know, it's funny. I actually, so I, I work on like teams in my job. And just yesterday, for the first time in like years, I explained the entire plot of that episode, the Mr. Movie Phone episode, to somebody on my team who had never seen it before. So, it's good timing that I actually know what your reference it is because I was just thinking about that yesterday. And you have a serious, high powered career, and uh, you, see eh. you get paid to explain Seinfeld episodes. Eh. Sometimes you got to. Sometimes you got to break out the deep voice and talk about uh, Mr. Movie Phone, which is a reference that people who were not in this country prior to like 2000 do not get at all. And that blew my mind. Yeah. They've never heard someone go, press press one. Does Movie Phone still exist? It does not. You sure? I looked it up yesterday. Oh, Movie Phone is dead, but these automated phone services live on. Okay. Who's using those? Like, if you're old I mean, enough to not want to use the internet, you're using a newspaper. You're not calling the but but cinemas, but movie theaters don't advertise newspapers so much anymore. So, I I, I have no idea. That's probably true. I don't know if like in New York, if you can still get the Post and have all the movie show times in the back somewhere. I assume you can, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. Oh, you can't get movies on the phone, but you can still get weather some places or the time. You can call the U.S. Naval Observatory Master Clock. Uh, 202-762-1401. That's not Jenny's number, right? 
No, no. Are we are we gonna are we bored enough to call it on air? I'd say no. I think we're good. We don't need to call. I'm just gonna read off phone numbers for the next twenty minutes. That's that's right. We got the yellow pages here. We're going to page page fifty seven. Here we go. Uh, All right. Final thoughts on Jung Moon. Uh, (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. No, I was not a big fan of Jung Moon. Um, There's a lot of hype about. Oh, she's very smart and she'll she's like a genius and she'll. eh, I didn't see it. That's right. And when we did our like intro to all the players podcast 11 years ago when we started this, um, my recollection is that Jungmoon was like somewhat had some some notoriety in the country because she's on TV doing like feats of mental power every so often. So it must have been strange for her to go on the show and do none of that and just sort of be somebody who kind of whined to get included in groups when they were trying to come up with plans. So not not a good showing for her. All right, so let's um, let's rank these players who are remaining, and then we'll go into our other shows that we want to talk about. Uh, number one, Sangman. Yes, yes. Sangman, Sangman, classiest raincoat in the game. You agree, Sangman number one? Yeah, I do. All right, and number eight, would you say it's Yunji, Poong, someone else? Uh, after this week, I think Yunji is fair to put in last place. I think she really screwed up. She made everyone think not only that she... Uh, could be duplicitous, but also that she does not know what she's doing and can't be trusted. So not a good combination. I got to, I got to put Poong at seven. Yeah, uh, Poong just came off as slimy. It's not where you want to be. Doesn't, yeah, the reputation thing is not working. I mean, Sangman can be slimy, but also really fun to be with. And you, you like make excuses for Sangman as he's being slimy. Um, not Poong. So let's right. see who else. Yes. Is so we've, yep, I'm good with that. So we've got. Kyungran, we've Kyungran's got, got to be in the top two, right? Kyungran. Yeah, I think strong performance here. She's in tight with so many people. She didn't really burn any bridges with the choices that she made after winning this one. And I don't think too many people are looking at her as like a major threat, even though she's quietly doing really well. Okay. All right, put her at number two. Let's do it. Number two. And then who's left? We've got Guru, we've got Sungyu, we've got Jinho. Uh, pretty quiet Uram. episode. For, yep, Uram. Pretty quiet episode for Gura and Jinho. Uram was there, but just sort of hanging on. So I put her pretty close to the bottom of folks who are left. Yeah, I'd do that, and I, I would put uh, Gura right above her because he seems to be losing interest in this. Yeah, he just looked. He just looked sleepy for a lot of this episode. Yeah. All right. So we have Sam and Uram, and then we have Jinho and Sungyu to rank at three and four. Gura, Uram, Poong, Yunji. Yep. I would put Sungyu above Jinho. I thought Sungyu showed yeah, some solid intuition from him. And, and he's being underestimated. Fact, I think yeah. Jinho's not. Jinho's not being underestimated. No, Jinho's being estimated. Regular estimation. Sungyu, everyone thinks he's a dummy. Yeah, everyone seems to think Sungyu has no idea what's going on, but he's doing pretty well for himself. All right. I'm good with that. All right. So uh, we'll conclude... Uh, uh, that for episode five of the genius and let me get out my uh regular podcast mic here all right here we go uh, <laughs> uh yeah mike uh uh has a microphone with a red windscreen on it um and i found an old prop styrofoam microphone with a red windscreen that's right rock solid i still hear myself like breathing into the microphone sometimes but i'm working on it hopefully the i have that on loop i play when i'm sleeping that's right 
It's it's like the sound of a gentle thunderstorm. <laughs> uh, what, so what, a gentle what, thunderstorm with asthma. <laughs> uh, so what, what do you want to talk about first, Big Brother or Australian Survivor? Let's do Australian Survivor. This will be your spoiler alert warning. Um, Let's do it. Play the music. Okay. That's right. There's honking. Australian um, Survivor. Don't don't spoil me on episode five. <laughs> I have not seen episode five yet. I've only seen through the first four. Oh, um, you've not. May I, I spoil episode five for you? Please do not. I encourage you not to. What are we talking about? What are we doing? What's to talk about? I think we can we can do a non-spoiler discussion of what we think about Australian Survivor so far. Well, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't. I don't love it. I've been thinking about what it is. What is it about it that I don't love? So well, it's too many people. Too many people. Yes. Too many people. Too. And I didn't think that I would react to this, but it's too much all at once. Like I actually really like that Survivor in the states is once a week, which gives you some time to think about what's happening and how it's going to play out, which is half the fun for me is thinking through what they're thinking about and, how, and where they're going to go with it. This I is an absolute. I three episodes a week of the U.S. Survivor, but I, I just, it's too hard to empathize with the Australian players. Like it feels like, like there is a wall. Just because the accent, um, so to me it's it's hard to be like, well, if I'm out there, I'll do this or I'll do that. Um, the because the accents maybe the archetypes don't feel as familiar, and it doesn't feel like people that which U.S. Survivor does a pretty good job yeah. of generally. That's interesting. So I, I have not had that problem. I can definitely empathize with some of these people and identify with the characters. It's a good mix of age ranges. I get that some of these people have some notoriety that I just don't pick up on, um, like they're semi-famous. To the extent that like Jeff Kent would have been semi to more than semi famous in the United States. And that's well, Jeff great. Kent is a big is a is a big deal. I mean, that you know the fact that no one recognized him, he's still a majorly important baseball player, even MVP. I mean, true. I think that that's, both the, you know that's more about like. I think that both the cricketer and the older black guy have some professional sports in their background and were big deals. Um. You can tell how well I'm figuring out everybody's names by the fact that I couldn't tell you either of their names. Twenty-four the people. Barry. Barry is the is the black guy. That's right. You have to say older. I'm just the only person of color, I think, on that show. That's right? true. He is the only one. Um, that's right. And then the other one is named something. There's a magician. There's Matt, the mentalist. That's right. That's right. The guy who's naming the chicken. He is. He is very pasty. Yep. The magician needs. He, yeah. he should have a tan by now. He's been out there for over a week. Um, that's how magic works. Sometimes I don't know what to tell you. It's it's magic that it doesn't have a tan. The magic of sunblock, I assume. Um, yeah. So for me, too many episodes in too short an amount of time. I'm not getting enough time to actually marinate on it. I like that it's it's pure Survivor. Like it is Survivor. It feels like it's filmed by the same crew. It feels like they're using the same challenge infrastructure, and evidently they are. Uh, and I like that about it. It's just another season of Survivor. There are just so many people, and I cannot. Well, and look, like, what are they... does a pretty good Jeff impression. It doesn't, it doesn't he, feel like he's missing anything. He even no, he's good, but it's not. Yeah, it's not he, like he's trying to be Jeff and not being Jeff. He's trying to be Jeff and is being Jeff. Yeah, that's fine. I, I see he's a little on the nose with his comments when things are happening. Like he pushes a little too hard. I, I've noticed that he he definitely wants to catch people in a lie or put them on the spot in a way that I think Jeff gives people room to vlash us it up if they would like to. Uh, and and well, he Jeff has a hard time. On the opposite end of that. Jeff was too gentle when he started, and Lepaglia might be a little too rough, but you know he'll he's just getting he'll get to the right place from a different angle. I I, 
See, that I believe in. But it's too many people. It's too much going on. The episodes are too long. Like, there's too much that we don't need in the Definitely episode. true. Like, the U.S. US Survivor is really good about Chekhov's gun. Like, they're only going to place the gun on the mantle if it's going off in the third act. And Australian Survivor, that's definitely not the case. Um, also, the, like, uh, going further with the empathy thing, um, I found that out of the 24 players, there's maybe been three or four who I could see as, like, my avatar in the game. Uh, whereas an American Survivor, it's still probably three or four, but it's three or four out of, you know, 16 people or 18 people and not out of 24 people. And that makes a big difference. Too. Yeah. By the time you get to three episodes and you know who the people are, you can empathize with a quarter of them. Uh, on this show, we're four or five episodes in, and I still have no idea who most of the people are because there are so many of them. There are still t- like 20 people left. It's crazy. Um, Half of them are purple, too. Just in terms of, you're just not seeing enough of them to really know who they are. A lot of these people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. No, I totally agree with that. I thought the first episode did a good job of introducing people, but they haven't really hit on a lot of character development for most of them. Well, they lost some character right up top. So yeah, I love that. Des Des was great. That was a great start. Um, Bring him back to American Survivor. (laughs) And I actually think that that would completely work, right? So it weren't for the weird prize laws. I would very happily take any, like everyone on the show seems well cast. if just underdeveloped, but I would very happily take any of these people and put them on American Survivor. Yeah. Des in in particular. Give me Des every season. Grumpy guy who does not understand how Survivor works, who just wants to be a villain, not talk to anybody. That's perfect. You think we'd be able to find more of those here, but they, they just that archetype doesn't get cast anymore. No, it's, well, yeah, it's, it. it's Randy, and Randy was like one of the best Survivor can characters. Well, but Randy knew the game. It's closer to Roger Sexton, I think. Oh, you're saying somebody who is cranky but doesn't know the game. Yeah, cranky, doesn't quite know what's happening. Sexton had some luck that there were people, like even dumber people around him. Dev didn't have that, but um, yeah, the idea that you get like the cranky pants older man who... Um, you know, wants to uh, force his will on everybody. Yeah, like BB, like a season one BB kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Except BB was a little more self-aware, I think. He was like, "All right, I'm, I'm done. I'm not. I'm, I'm going. Goodbye." That's true. That's true. Yeah, Rest in peace, BB. One of like the three sure. survivors who ever passed away. Do you know that no one who has been on American Big Brother has ever died? So everyone should be clamoring to get on Big Brother because, of course, that means you are immortal if you've ever played on Big Brother America. So I was going to say, I can guess what that number is going to be eventually. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's great so far. That's good. That's right. Eddie, Eddie Fox from season one. I think that was his last name. Still alive. Uh, Eddie Fox was on Survivor Caramoan. That's the dog. Oh, that's guy. right. Eddie, Eddie was the name of the guy who won the first season of American Big Brother. But Spoiler alert. That's right. That's right. Don't watch it. Was Don't go back and watch the first season of American Big Brother. It's terrible. <laughs> Big Brother win. It's Eddie McGee. Before Eddie I McGee. Yeah, That's Eddie right. McGee. Yeah. He's no Dr. Will. It wasn't even really a game. It was a totally different thing. So I didn't uh, see the Dr. Will seasons. So I told it that was a bad decision on my part. Ooh, not to see those. Either one. Big Brother's too long. I've not been watching that much this season either. What? Yeah. Big Brother is too. It's especially now is super long, but uh, Big Brother All Stars really good. Season seven totally worth going back and watching. Okay, if I yeah. ever go back and watch a season, I mean, I don't ever get to watch TV anymore. So yeah, 
when I get to watch it, I'm not going back and watching old stuff. You know, I mean, I still haven't watched uh, The Wire or Breaking Bad or any of the other shows that people have told me for years are fantastic and not too many. I don't have time. I watch Survivor, and I that's, I mean, that's really it. I don't have any other real appointment TV. Uh, hey, I'm a, yeah. I'm a creator, not a, not a consumer. So. I know there are other people who would who would hear that and go like, "What? That's crazy! You have to watch A, B, and C." But I'm like, "Nah, I'm kind of in the same boat. <laughs> I watch Survivor. I don't have a lot of time to watch other stuff. I've been meaning to watch the Anthony Weiner documentary. Haven't done it. Got to get on that." Well, I mean, now it's uh, now you know the ending, so that's right. That's I just right. feel like for me for me watching television, um, I can't sit there and just watch something. Like when I go to a movie, I'm I hate I hate being in a movie theater. Because you're stuck in this in this place, and you're just watching the movie. And the movie dips for a second in in interestingness, then you're just hostage to it. Um, but Survivor, I'm like thinking about it. it's challenging me as I watch it. So I, I like that. I, but I I can't watch like regular TV that like shows that you just watch and consume. I I can't do it. So it's got to be commercial free viewing with that new. Uh, see if we had an if we had advertising. Now would be when we could plug the fact that CBS All Access is doing the whole like pay more money, you don't have to watch commercials thing. Which is great. Give me that option with everything. I was it's making me interested in CBS All Access, the fact that I don't have to watch commercials. Yeah. Are you gonna watch but, the online but, only Big Brother? What do you think? Yeah, probably. I yeah, probably will. I don't know. If it's bad, I'll I won't. Um, but if it's good, yeah, I will. I, I think it'll be I think it'll be the thing that puts me over the edge to actually subscribe to CBS All Access. I don't do that. They're yet. banking on. I mean, that's the yeah, that's the play. Because once you subscribe, you'll watch yeah. that season, but then you'll forget to unsubscribe and you'll keep paying them money during the off season. Right, and and I mean, if they had also more behind the scenes Survivor content, I think it'd be a no brainer for me. Yeah, they should they should have like they should have like a two hour uh, version of the episode for people who want to see more of what happened. I agree with that too. There should be a lot more. We- you could do that. You could have Ponderosa include more stuff and put it only on all access. I feel like there, there are a bunch of different things you could do. Uh, but there's yeah. so much that happens on Survivor. And a lot of it, I imagine, just ends up on the cutting room floor or just as like a DVD extra. Yeah. It'd be fun to see like a full uncut production shoot of a, of a challenge. You know, a challenge that they present like in eight minutes on the show to actually see the full, you know, 90 minutes or whatever that it takes in real time. Same with the Tribal Council, obviously, but I... I think that probably gives away too much information that they don't want to have out leading into other episodes. Yeah. So I think it'd be really fun to see like a full boring tribal council. Um, so get on that CBS. We know you're listening. We know you're <laughs> out there. Yeah. Do you think that I, you're run by a cat? The, who, yeah, that's right. Who's actually listening to our podcast right now. Um, I, I could see them eventually. I mean, I hope this doesn't happen anytime soon, but I could see survivor becoming an, an all access only property or something like that. Later on, down you know what I thought for a long time that Survivor should do. I don't, and they're not going to do this, but what I would love to see mm-hmm. is that uh, it would be instead of two seasons a year, it's three seasons a year. You could shorten the amount of time they're on the island for Jeff's sake, for production's sake, because I don't, I think 39 days is still kind of arbitrary. Yep. And you get the exact same show if it's a two day cycle instead of a three day cycle. Yeah. Or I look, hey, so you can the do the same total number of days and add 30 more contestants as we're seeing in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd love to see where like the two um, regular season seasons are as they are now new player seasons and then like during the summer the summer season would be an all-star season every time so you still get an all-star season every cycle but it doesn't the all-star seasons don't deprive us of new player seasons yeah i i like i think that if they do i I just love survivors i'm happy to see more of it although what i've learned with australian survivor is 
too much of a of a good thing is still too much. Like Survivor. Yeah, but if that were an American season, especially yeah. an American All Star season, you could take it. Then it would be fine. Definitely, but I think in the existing cycle, part of what keeps Survivor going is that every other season has some type of returning player thing or new twist to it. So that might take some steam away from the regular CBS airing seasons. I, I worry about playing out Survivor. I don't want them to overdo it. I had a, I had a second thought uh, about a change up to it, which would be for uh, like an All Star season. Um, like uh, my my idea is Survivor Generations would be what it was called, yeah. where um, start of the season it'd be twenty survivors, uh, five on each tribe, and each tribe would be five people from like a different uh, era. So the first, you know, the old tribe would be five people from pre All Stars. The next tribe would be from then until Heroes vs Villains. The next one would be from Heroes vs Villains until uh, uh, Second Chances, and the next one would be after Second Chance. You know, this is ostensibly be in a few seasons. Mm-hmm. So you so you'd have that. And then you'd go through until you got to the merge. And when you got to the merge, we'd have this like hold up moment, like, wait, one more thing, bring in the other tribe. And then before you see who's on the other tribe, um, it essentially restarts the season, but with like 20 other people cast in the same way. So you're watching another group of 20 people whittle down to 10. And then those two groups of 10 join together um, to form two separate tribes to continue. So essentially it's a 40 player season. We don't get too bogged down in how many people there are. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I I like ideas like that, or the idea that just like that would be a full a full TV season, season two. So that'd be you know September until May. Yeah, it also feels like if you wanted to do more Survivor content, that's a good way to do it without killing Jeff Probst. Like have more stuff happening at the same time, but maybe show it in different ways to get that out there. I'm I've also been surprised that they don't film two different seasons at the exact same time. Yeah, in a relatively. I think it's probably a lot to keep track of, and a lot for the the challenge production to do. I mean, I feel like um, it's likely challenge production is pretty stuck with you know just running things, mm-hmm. just just getting two challenges done every three days. I guess you could increase the size of the department, which is fine with me. I'm not paying for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like it. I guess it's just you know to keep track of the producers and the on-site staff. You're just spreading them a lot thinner, twice as thin if you, if you do that. That's but true. Obviously, that's, that's necessary true. for my concept. So. Yeah, I, I know the, the thing that was interesting to me is like some of the international back when Survivor was like a massive hit around the world. Some of the international seasons of Survivor would film and they would share all the same resources. So essentially like Panamanian yeah, like Survivor, Survivor Island or the Philippines or something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they would all just share like the same sets, the same challenges, all that stuff. And they would just have people on beaches relatively close to one another from these different countries. Um, which seemed like a good way to save money, but just it didn't, the shows didn't catch on in other parts of the world like it did here. Um, but maybe if Australia sticks, or if Australian Survivor sticks, or sticks around, they could do something similar, like do the American one first and then reuse all that same stuff and do the Australian one. Especially if the theories are right that the reason they have so many people and it's so long is that they needed to be, just get more episodes out of this and make sure that their cost per episode was lower then maybe there are other ways to save some money on episodes. Maybe they can have fewer people and do it for a shorter amount of time, but like reuse some of the existing set and staff and save money that way. How about like offset seasons where the American season starts, the Australian season starts three days later. So all the challenges are used, you know, three days apart by both seasons and you just have a second tribal council set. So you never have to worry or, you know, I guess you could have one set offset them by one day or two days. So you don't uh, double book tribal council. Yeah, I think that'd be good, especially yeah. if this catches on. Anything like that that makes Survivor cheaper and easier to produce, I'm all for. 
just to make especially it if they're going to increase the prize because you know a million dollars is a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money. You know, it's it is and it isn't. Like it's been, it's been long enough. It's been more than fifteen years. You could like maybe increase the yeah, prize a little bit. I, I was shocked that for the online Big Brother, they're cutting the prize in half. That's only going to be two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the online one. It's like, boy, yeah, but you're already at a point with Big Brother where the, the prize isn't like the draw. But like, so there, so for Survivor, I guess that's probably also the case. Like, I'd love it to be two million, but Big Brother, like, already five hundred thousand dollars is like yeah, whatever. Two fifty was, I think, with the prize for Who Done It as well. Um, yeah, I think but it's also but, Big Brother Canada. I think is two fifty. But when I was on uh, when I was on Millionaire, I was a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire back in two thousand twelve. And uh, it was when Meredith Vieira was the host. And she was making, I can't remember what her salary was. It was something like $12 million for the season, I want to say. Wow. Which was more than the amount they gave away in prizes. Or it was roughly equivalent to what they gave away in prizes. Might have been more. And, you know, to filming the show is not that hard. I mean, like, it's, it's not, like, easy, easy. But the way that they film it, they, do, uh, they film five episodes a day. They film four or five days a week. And so they film the whole season over a couple months. So the host works really hard for like three months, two months, whatever, and then the season's done, and that's it. So, it, you know, it's a lot of money. It's, it's a job anyone would take. Um, but my thought was, you know, Meredith was great, but when she left, I thought they might be able to um, retain viewership or even increase viewership by instead of spending money on a host, hire someone who's a good host but not a named person and give away more prize money. I feel like people would be more attracted and out than like Cedric the Entertainer coming in and being the host of the show, which it turned out nobody cared about Cedric and nobody cared about Terry Crews, and now it's Chris Harrison, and uh, I think he's back for a second season maybe. But I mean, just hire hire a newscaster from somewhere who's good at hosting a game show. I didn't know that it was still on. I thought that it was off the air at this point. Yeah, I did. I wasn't able to kill it unfortunately. I didn't no. have enough money. They had to shut it down. Which is always the goal to be the last yeah. contestant on a game show because you took all of their money. Yeah, Ken came close on Jeopardy, but he couldn't do it. Sorry, Ken. Um, yeah, so that's my game cool. show thought. He also, he would still be the first person that I would cast on an American version of The Genius. Would be Ken Jennings. Yes, I'd put him on there. I would take him down too. I'd take his ass down. <laughs> uh, um, be, I think he'd be great. He'd be a top-notch American genius contestant. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. All right, so you want to talk about this season of Big Brother real quick? Sure. I think we both noted that neither one of us has been like deeply in on it, but we're both following. We're recording this right after watching, uh, I'll say no spoilers, but right after watching the last HOH competition. No, we've, we've spoilers. We can spoil. yeah, I mean, right. We're going to do it. talk about it. All right, so the, the HOH competition with the eggs and the cages, which was just won by Victor, um, you know, and I'm I'm following the season, but not watching it. Like I'm following it on um, on Twitter, but what I found is I'm just not compelled to watch the episodes anymore when I know what's happening. I, yeah, I enjoy I'm, I'm listening the same to Rob's thing. podcast about it, and that's enough. Knowing what's happening in the live feeds, I'm just I don't I don't need to watch the Sunday or Wednesday episodes, and I watch the Thursday episodes only a little. I'll fast forward until past the speeches because the speeches so often give away who's getting eliminated. And then I watch the votes, and that's great. And then I may or may not watch the interview, and then uh, then I'll watch the challenge. Yeah, there's not a lot happening. Like this season, there haven't been an, a lot of crazy moments that happened on the feeds that made me say like, "Oh, I got to tune in this week to see what they show or how that plays out live." Like, there's there's not a lot going on. Um, 
it's fair to say like any one of the people who are left could win, which is exciting going into the final here. Now we're at the final six. So I'll probably tune in a little bit more going forward to get a sense of what's going on, especially once they turn the feeds off. Um, but you're right. Just like, there's no real need to watch the episodes if you're following along with the podcast and watching online and Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's yeah, not super excited to watch the episodes and it's, it's the same thing with football now for me. Like I used to love NFL football and I was like, eh, I mean, I'm just over it past it, whatever. Yeah. I'll follow it a little bit, but that might just be us getting old. No, we're not getting old. It's not us. We're not getting old. We're not changing, man. We're th- we're the same as ever. It is it is the children who are wrong. And I have a birthday next next uh, this uh, this month now. Oh, I'm gonna be older again. That's right. Depression cast with Scott and Mike. <laughs> my, my daughter's turned one next week, so. Happy birthday. Congratulations. My son starts preschool, and the next day my daughter turns one. So, uh, yeah. That's, it's big time stuff. I think it's pretty close to the fact that the last time we did an episode of this, we were congratulating you on having your second child. So No, 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 no. That was, you. I remember, because I did an episode <laughs> from the hospital, as you recall. Yep. Uh, back when we were doing our season four coverage. And, uh, yeah, no, I know exactly. I know what episode that was. Um, I know that my wife was obviously very drugged up or she wouldn't have let me do that. That's right. <laughs> so. Are you sure it was a uh, season four coverage and not episode four of season one? Cause it could go either way. <laughs> uh, I could say a name that would prove it, but I'm not going to do that because, uh, this is, this is our pledge to the listeners is, uh, this is, um, no spoilers, no spoilers. That's right. All right. Let's wrap this up. That's, uh, that's enough talking. All right, so we're we're getting back in the swing of things. We're war- we're warming ourselves up. We're gonna be we're really it's almost uh, time to submit my wingling answers, and I haven't done that yet, so I gotta hurry up and do it. That's right. Yeah. So for Genius Cast, I am Scott Green at Scott Does Magic. That is Mike. He is at Michael Bada. So just request that he let you follow him, and yeah. perhaps he will, perhaps he won't, because I, I guess will. that's a it's a thing now. I've got I've got, got time. Away I, from your tweets? I already got my learned league answers in tonight, so I've got time. Go to no. go to town, folks. Well, Message me. I'll accept it. I'm I'm definitely lower than you. I think I'm D. Oh yeah, yeah. It sucks. One seventy eight. <laughs> I guess couldn't help with common knowledge. <laughs> it's that's true. That's definitely true. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're signing off. We'll uh, we'll talk to you much sooner. We're gonna get episode six done much sooner, um, probably. So yep, and, and we'll Mike. we'll remember how to do this next time. Yeah, I'm Scott. He's Mike. Fighting, fighting. <laughs>